0: Hello and welcome to the first episode of the season for the Digital Den podcast. I'm joined by Hannah Miley, six-time gold medalist, 14-time silver medalist in the Commonwealth Games and 16-time bronze medalist as well, Uh, world champion and more. Thank you for joining the podcast, Hannah. How are you feeling?
1: Yeah, I'm feeling all right. Thank you. Uh, Thanks for having me.
0: Great. Uh, So... You've got you've won thirty six medals in your career. Uh, how does that feel?
1: Um, kind of running out of places to put the medals, but it feels good. It's nice to have, I guess, medals to showcase the efforts. Uh, anybody who's involved in sport, it's very relentless and can be very unforgiving. Uh, you put a lot of hard work and uh, you know blood, sweat, and tears into it, so you know, all the amount of hours, days, months, weeks, years you put into training all for that one moment to get that medal, uh, it it does make it all worth it. So yeah, I've learned a lot over the career, over my career, having the medals has been awesome. But also, the message for me, it's not just about the medals, it is about the hard work, the effort, uh, you know, being able to rise back up when things are not going so well, um, and making the most of the opportunities. So yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, so in that in that career so far, when did your career start?
1: Um. Well, I guess I first got introduced to swimming when I was like three years old. It was my dad who first threw me in the water. Um, he wanted myself and my two younger brothers to be safe around water. So I kind of first got my first taste of being in water from a very young age, Joined the swimming club uh, Geary when I was six. And kind of got, I just stayed part of that. I had lots of other clubs that I was part of, extra school activities, and I just felt so much more at home in water. So I guess my career didn't really start officially until I was maybe like 15, 16. That was when I was starting to make um, international teams for Great Britain for juniors, uh, European Junior Championships when I was 15 for GB, uh, the Commonwealth Youth Games. For Scotland when I was 14 so the bracket between 14 and 16 was when I kind of realized okay this is kind of cool getting to miss school travel the world um see different countries and race you know quite a few tough swimmers as well um and from there I kind of thought you know I, I'd love this opportunity to let's just see where it goes um so yeah so it was from from about the age of 14 to 16 was when I decided to take the step and make it more of a
0: career um, so my, my role as an MSYP is to try and make sure that people in my con- or young people in my constituency are getting involved with um, the the sports people and getting involved with sports and getting involved with things to hear and get their voice out there. Um, you said that you joined or you you professionally or officially started your career maybe fifteen or sixteen. Um, how how did you like? switch that gear from doing it from from a hobby that you love um, to taking it the step up and doing it professionally and making a making a career out of it
1: um you know how the, the saying goes that you know if you get a job uh, and you enjoy your job you never have to work a day in your life because if you enjoy what you do Um, And for me, I never really saw my swimming as a job or as a career. For me, it was just something that I loved doing. Uh, I loved being in the water. I was hugely competitive Um, and I loved setting myself goals and working towards trying to make improvements in any area that I could um and I'm not typically a a swimmer shape I'm quite small Uh, a lot of swimmers tend to be really broad we're like spatulas really wide turn us sideways and we're really like narrow (laughs) um so for me I didn't really fit that mold and I loved it and for me it was about the hard work the effort the intent and um, just that just that sheer grit. Uh, I do have quite a, a competitive streak about me. Even in school, it was like, you know, here's homework, right? I've got to try and get the best score possible in this homework, or I've got to hand in my homework first. I always turned everything into like a competitive side um but sport meant a lot to me it, it really taught me a lot of values uh you know and, and I never really realized how important that was as a career as such I guess now I've called it my career looking back but at the time I never really saw it as a career I just saw it this is an opportunity I, as I say you get to you know miss school because oh you know I've got a competition over in Hungary I've got to miss two weeks of school <laughs> you know it was pretty cool doing that obviously making sure I stayed on top of my homework but um Meeting different people, exploring different countries or cultures—it it, it brought so much to my life that I never really thought. You know, had I not taken up sport, you know, would I have been able to have travelled as much or have met the people that I have met? So, sports certainly has enriched me, and I can now say it's a career. As I say at the time, I I didn't think of it as a career. I just thought it was something that I loved and opportunity wise
0: (laughs) yeah yeah i mean to to miss two weeks i think you said two weeks of school each competition Mm -hmm. travel around the world so how many places have you been to
1: oh good grief a lot um (laughs) i think the only place i haven't been to is uh south africa that's probably the only Mm. continent i've not uh africa in general i've not been to as a continent um I, I've been to Australia, that was probably when that was one of my first competitions away with the Commonwealth Youth Games was in Bendigo. So that was extreme. It was during my fifth year at school. So I was having hires um, and or sorry, it was towards the end of my standard grades going into like, you know, my fifth year. So taking mm. homework away from me and jet lag, Oh, I, I didn't <laughs> expect jet lag to hit you that hard um traveling to America as well again sort of you know g- time zones and uh, just everything just larger than life you know you ask for something small and you get a massive plate of food um re- you know recently in Rio the Olympic Games Beijing and China like there's been so many countries I really can't count how many places <laughs> I've been to but there have been some amazing places you don't get to explore too much so I can tell you all the hotels and swimming pools that we've been to <laughs> um <laughs> Sometimes it is very rare. We do get to explore, but it, you know, it makes me realize if I made a little bucket list, if I was to go back and explore these places, there are certain places that I'd love to go back and uh, yeah, kind of take advantage of exploring them a little bit more.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Australia, how hot was that?
1: Do you know what? It was actually freezing. Oh really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was really cold. I And I was so confused. So it was March. So it was like, in their, I guess it was the end of their summer, well, kind of coming into their autumn time. And for us, it was coming into spring. So, you know, we've kind of, the seasonal changes with the North hemisphere and the Southern hemisphere, Mm -hmm. Um, and it was outdoors. And I just remember being so cold when the sun wasn't out. As soon as the sun was out, I mean, we had to lather ourselves up in factor 50 and you know being (laughs) very pale skinned as well, I burned really easily. So, you know, I was always in the shade. And as soon as you're in the shade, it was just cold. Uh, I mean, obviously once the sun was out, it was warm. Uh, but I'll never forget when we did our heat swim in the mornings, um, you know, the uh, preliminary rounds going back to our accommodation and and there was a fire pit and we actually had to put logs on and sit around with our jumpers and duvets (laughs) around this fire pit. And I thought, no one's going to believe me saying that I was cold in Australia, (laughs) but, uh, yeah, what, when the sun did get out in the middle of the day, like it did get very warm. Uh, and again, just kind of dealing with that, making sure I'd stayed safe in the sun. Um, but yeah, and the coldest place I've been to was St. Petersburg. 2012, I went to Russia in December uh, and it was minus 27. So, you know, I've gone from extremes of being in the extreme heat to the extreme cold. Um, so yeah.
0: Wow. I mean Australia hot cold that's (laughs) yeah
1: Um,
0: yeah yeah, I can imagine Uh, so we've been in lockdown for for I think three four months now how have you been coping because I know as an athlete you need to be constantly training keeping your form up keeping your agility so on and so on how have you been able to to get a hold of that
1: It's been difficult. I mean, this whole year has been very, very difficult. Even when we first went into lockdown in March last year, um, from March through to July, I didn't have any access to any swimming training. Uh, And that's the hardest bit because swimming is, I think it's kind of, it's possibly one of the most unforgiving sports. You know, it's a medium that we don't really have much access to. And I was so jealous of those who were runners or cyclists because they could still maintain some form of training outdoors, Whereas swimming, there's only so much you can do in a bath. (laughs) Um, And, you know, it it was very, very difficult. I did try a little bit of open water swimming, opened my eyes a lot, especially around the safety aspects. I didn't realize and took for granted actually how important it is to make sure that it is 100% safe where you go to swim, who you tell, the equipment that you need. Um, and again, just like health risks, do you 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 know try not go the day after raining, and you know make sure the weather's right and the water temperature. You got cold water shock, so there's so much to take on board. And I struggled. I tried to swim in the North Sea, uh, sort of in March, wow. and the water temperature was four degrees, <laughs> and I I didn't cope very well. So I thought this <laughs> isn't going to work. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so we just had to rely on Zoom workouts and just working on different little bits. So I tried to find ways of okay. Need to maintain like mobility and flexibility, a little bit of exercise each day. I felt, you know, was really good, gave me routine, um, but it was hard. It was, it was very, very difficult. Some swimmers I saw got themselves paddling pools, filled it up with water and then had a bungee <laughs> cord, hold them in one spot and they were able to swim. I live in a top floor flat. So sadly, I don't have (laughs) the space uh, or the garden space to do that. But some people were being very inventive for Mm. it. So, yeah, it was just trying to maintain my fitness as best I could and know that, you know, everybody's in the same position. So, you know, it was just do what I can to keep myself as active as I can and try and avoid any injuries. Mm. Um, Luckily, I was in an elite group that was allowed to get back in the water from middle of July. Um, and I've been able to stay in training I had surgery on my shoulder in October, which did take me back out of the water again, but I've been able to get back in again. So, you know, I feel very grateful and very privileged to you know, have the opportunity to still get back in the water, but it's certainly given me a different perspective on the importance of, you know, just maintaining that m- m- uh, mobility, flexibility, and just keeping your body moving, not just for your physical health, but for mental health as well. Um, because I suffered quite a fair bit with it. Um, you know, you have trained for train you know, for four year cycles going into Olympic Games. And each day that I'm out of the water, I was just watching all that hard work get chipped away. And, and that was hard. That was really mentally tough, knowing that all that work just felt like it was going to waste. Um, so, you know, getting out and about, my dog was probably my best friend throughout the whole of lockdown. She was amazing. You know, she forced me to get out for the walks, especially when mm-hmm. I felt I had days where I just, you know, I, I was just so fed up. You know, she had to go out for a walk. So, you know, she taught me to keep going with exercise and, um, that made a big difference for me. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so it's been tough, but, you know, thinking outside the box and, you know, being brave and challenging myself in different ways. Uh, there's lots of individuals out there offering help, support, um, and I try to sort of do the same and offer help and support for other young swimmers. So,
0: hmm. yeah. I can imagine because um, Olympics are the, like, the, the the big one that you, you, you work your way up to over the past four years. Um, in the Olympics, looking at your stats here, you came... For representing great britain you you in two thousand and eight you came sixth two thousand and twelve mm-hmm. um you came fifth and in two thousand and sixteen you came fourth It shows your progress, but you keep climbing up a <laughs> climbing up a, a pole position so I think the next one has to be top three it has to be
1: <laughs> yeah I mean that's the thing it's like you go any Olympic Games if you get to go it, it's it is such a spectacle and only the top three in the world ever get to be on the podium. So it's such a scrabble to try and you know, put your hand on the wall first. And I was 15 hundredths of a second away from that in Rio. Mm. Uh, so that was both a blessing and a curse because fourth position was the best position I'd ever been in. It was one of the best times I'd ever been in, but I was just so agonizingly close to that medal. So coming into Tokyo, like it, whether I get to make the team or not, I don't know. I've still got to go through that process to see if I can qualify, but and uh, for me, you know, I realized that just being part of the team has just been so exceptional and just so phenomenal. Um, i really loved being part of the whole Team GB process. And uh, and yeah, and winning a medal is any athlete's dream. But sometimes we're lucky enough to win them and sometimes we're not. But it's not the end of the world. I, you know, I'm very proud to say that I've represented uh, three, you know, Team GB for three Olympic Games, made finals for three Olympic Games as well. And um, so so yes, yeah, so we'll see how it goes for the fourth one.
0: Yeah, yeah, all eyes on that one. And um, you talked about lockdown. Yes. <laughs> you talked about lockdown mm-hmm. being um, quite hard. I know I for myself, Netflix is almost like my best friend. So did you have anything on Netflix that you were binge watching or anything that you had your eyes on, whether it's Netflix or other streaming services?
1: Oh, just loads of stuff. I got to the point where you get almost bored, but you just yeah. think, oh, well, what now? You get really hooked into a season. And then as soon as it ends, or I started noticing, especially on Amazon Prime, they get you hooked on a season. And then when you comes to the last season, you have to pay for the last season. And you're like, <laughs> ah, <laughs> no. So we went through, uh, I think it was the Chicago Med. Uh, we oh, went and yeah. watched all of the scenes of House as well. Mm. Um, we got Disney Plus. So started going through all the uh, Disney, you know, the animated, all the Disney movies, um, some of the new ones that came out, like Soul and Onward. Um, ones, yeah. Caught up on, like, Bake Off as well, Bake Off the Professionals, uh, Junior Bake Off, and... Um, because we ended up, we, we actually didn't get a TV license because we watch so much stuff on, like, Netflix or Amazon Prime. We don't really watch live TV. Mm. So, yeah, it was just trying to catch up on, like, lots of TV series. So mm. each night, I think it was mainly just House and Chicago Med. It was a very medical-themed <laughs> <laughs> kind of lockdown. Um, but we, we tried to sort of make sure we weren't too much involved in front of the TV. So for me, training my dog, doing dog tricks with her kind of kept us entertained as well. Yeah. Um, so, Yeah. <laughs>
0: I I remember the first time when when they announced schools were closing, so on and so on. And at first, it felt like it was amazing. I could I I'm speaking for myself, but I can only imagine how it felt for you. Um, so it felt like amazing. School off. Um, get to plan your whole day. Maybe leave things up to like the last day, and then you get it done, and then you can. Whether it go on Xbox or or um, yeah. g- g- text and so on and so on, do other stuff like that. But I think on the first day, mm-hmm. um, I was looking back at my photos um, and I, I realized that I, I commented on something. First day in lockdown, and I'm already bored. How is how is the first day for you? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think I saw one post and it said, you know, first day on lockdown. Just been to the supermarket, got all my food, got my snacks. Five minutes later. I've eaten half of my food (laughs) for me. It just felt like that. Yeah. I definitely, it was difficult. And I think it was just the routine factor because when you've got school, you know what time you need to wake up when you've got school and yeah, it can be a little bit of a drag, but it gets you through the day. It's like that sense of purpose. So as an athlete, not having that routine of when training is, you know, when you're eating, when you're kind of recovering, It it takes a couple of days to get into it. But then obviously not knowing if the Olympics were going ahead or not. And it's like, well, if I'm training, what am I training for? So it's trying to find that sense of purpose. So yeah, I had to kind of sit down and write down a couple of, you know, things that I could control things that I couldn't control just to kind of get my headspace right. But yeah, there were times where I was incredibly bored. But as I say, my puppy, well, she's a year now, so she was very much a puppy. Mm. Uh, During lockdown, she kept me very busy. And yeah, I kind of put a lot of my focus. So I was very, didn't get bored that often because of her. She made me laugh (laughs) um, and she forced me to go out for walks. And yeah, it was really good fun. She taught me an awful lot. She was probably my biggest teacher uh, during Mm. lockdown.
0: (laughs) I mean, in lockdown, I know one of the things that I spent—I tried to get into—is either learning an instrument or uh, baking. Um, I know I got got myself into that. I needed to go on a diet, and quite soon after I realised. Um, but yeah, um, have you learned any instruments or anything in lockdown, or did have you learn? Do you know any instruments? Do you play any?
1: I used to play the piano, but again, uh, because I live in a top floor flat, I've not been able to <laughs> play the piano for quite some time. Yeah. <laughs> I've not been able to get them up the stairs. But um, I, for me, it was more like a physical challenge. I really struggled doing like single leg squats. So I worked on trying to get myself to do a single leg squat or pistol squat uh, unassisted. And it, it, it's taken me a long time to get the mobility, the flexibility and the strength to do that. Um, so yes, yeah, so I, I learned how to do the pistol squats. I did try a little bit of baking, but again, it was great fun, but very dangerous. <laughs> just <laughs> With the amount of sugar, I think I kind of went through. Um, and I keep going back to my my dog. Like for me, I've you know I had a dog as uh, with my family, but for myself and my partner, she was our first like our yeah. own personal dog. So becoming like almost like a dog trainer and teaching her tricks and. You know, trying to teach her to do little things like uh, I I can ask her to she has a blanket to get up on the sofa. So I say blanket and she now will go and run to the basket, pick up the blanket and bring it to me. (laughs) Um, I can teach her to, you know, sit pretty. So she'll sit up and like squat down or I can ask her to cross her paws and she'll cross her paws or I can ask her to. Pack my swimming bag, and she will pack my swimming bag. So <laughs> it's actually been really good fun yeah. teaching her, and that for me has kind of been, I guess, my own skill because I love working with animals, and I've always, you know, enjoyed watching lots of animal programs. But to actually work with Poppy, you know, for you twenty four seven on lots of different things, and to make it fun for her, but fun for me, I, I learned an awful lot on communication, um, how to, you know, set her up for success. Uh, and if she doesn't you know if she fails at something it's to learn from it and then move on and you know not to get cross or angry with her or frustrated it's you know it's never her fault I've got to try and rework my teaching so I learned that a lot about myself as well Hmm. Um, and yeah there's just been a couple of other little bits like even sitting down kind of coloring in so I guess I didn't actively go out saying, right, I'm going to try and learn this new skill. Apart from the pistol squat, (laughs) I kind of just took on different challenges as much as I could. I enjoyed I I started creating little challenges as well. Um, I did like the toilet roll challenge where you have to drop the toilet roll from behind your head and try and catch it between your legs. Um, I enjoyed setting up those little things as well just to try and keep people engaged and have fun with it. Um, you have no idea how many times I had to try to get that toilet roll <laughs> challenge done. I saw oh I goodness. saw when
0: you celebrated. Yeah, was... <laughs> no, we
1: completely missed the high five as well. <laughs> that was a task and a half. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, apologies, I rambled on on that question.
0: <laughs> no, 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 it's fine. Uh, I, I mean, you've talked about swimming and, and your dog being a key part. Um, would you ever look into... In, if you didn't, if you weren't a swimmer, maybe um, veterinary, veterinary work um, or uh, something to do with animals, working with animals?
1: Yeah, I actually was, I so wanted to be a vet and it, I was kind of at that decision before I decided to stick with swimming with do I pursue veterinary like, as my main like, career? Um, and I so wanted to work with animals. I've watched all the veterinary programs and got all the books. And the only bit that I was really struggling to get was obviously the work experience, because with training, it was very difficult to find the time to go and actively work at farms, go and shadow vets at the clinics. Um so I still have a huge passion for working with animals, but for me, I think I would use it more as a hobby than actually make it as a career. Um, and yeah, you know, animal hydrotherapy for me combines the two things that I love, water and animals, helping animals and using water as a source of healing. Um that would be the, you know, the ultimate dream have two training pools, one to help train young swimmers and another one to help fix animals.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, That would be, that would be awesome. But yeah, I, I, you know, I can see myself as an individual that will have more than just one dog. Um, yeah. And for me that, you know, it doesn't have to be a career. It's just a hobby, something that I love, something that I enjoy and, um and just to give back and help to the animal world as best I can. So, mm. yeah. <laughs>
0: um. so, You've talked again about swimming and so on, uh, and your career with that. Um, I believe you used to train at Inverie Swimming Centre. So
1: no, I actually moved in 2016. So I, uh, after the Olympic Games, I moved to Aberdeen, um, and I now train at the University of Aberdeen Swim Performance Team. Mm Uh, so I actually now train at the new 50 meter pool, but every now and then I I did sometimes go back and train at the pool and in brewery.
0: Mm. <laughs> uh, so I uh- in Marie Academy now, I think it's it's merged with. I just say, I think I go to school there, but it's merged with um, um, the swimming pool, and it's made it's like this massive, um, new building. So yeah, you got hydro mm-hmm. hydrotherapy pool and so on and so on too. It's quite good there to bring back yeah. um, on the memories. Do you remember what were your your best memories training at the swimming centre before it was knocked down, before you moved?
1: Um, yeah, for me it was just. It was a tough training pool because it was four lanes, 25 meters, and it would get very wavy, almost like swimming in the North Sea. So it wasn't always the easiest conditions. But for me, I loved it because it challenged me quite a lot and... It just felt like home. Like for me, you know, I didn't need a big fancy facility. I had my coach, I had my teammates and I have the water. That was all I needed. Um, So it made me appreciate when you do get to the bigger swimming pools and the fancier facilities, you think, oh, this water is really nice and smooth. Oh, I have space. Um, And for me, that pool taught me an awful lot about myself as an individual about you know make do with what you've got work with what you've got and just because you know it's not a fancy facility doesn't mean that it's you know it doesn't it has to be ignored or thrown out it still can work um there'll be some days where you turn up and maybe the thermostat was maybe a wee bit high so it was hot water so we had to adapt our training so you always had to be thinking on your toes depending on what the sort of conditions were but you know, for me, I loved it. I, I love training in that pool. It, it, you know, it took me to three Olympic games. So, you know, I can't knock it. I uh, have very yeah. fond memories and I was very sad when I found out they were closing. Um, I've asked if they could give me a, a, one of the tiles so I could remember the pool. <laughs> by. Um, but at the same time, the upgrade I think was definitely needed for a brewery. It's, you know, yeah. a fast growing town and uh, I definitely think that they needed the space um so yeah so the new facility that they've got is fantastic uh i was very lucky enough to have gotten a little swim in it um before it fully opened. so uh yeah it, it definitely is night and day compared to the other one but i still yeah. love the the other one it, it, you know for me it gave me the rocky effect
0: yeah <laughs> the, the memories bringing back the memories um you, you back on on the lockdown topic did you or not in lockdown actually but in general do you have like a favorite treat or snack that you like to snack on every now and then and now and now
1: and then um oh yeah i have a food like for me salt and vinegar crisps and haribo they are oh, dangerous are for me like i can sit and eat through a whole bag of salt and vinegar crisps my mouth will be on fire but i just will keep <laughs> eating them like there is i think it's at aldi they've got like a really strong flavored um salt and vinegar crisps there that i just love um and yeah i could quite easily devour and demolish haribo not so keen on chocolate but Mm. those are kind of like my two weaknesses i guess um so yeah definitely sweet sweet treats are kind of my my guilty (laughs) pleasure (laughs)
0: um and have you got any advice for young swimmers people who are looking into swimming because i know some of my constituents um are quite keen um on, on swimming do you have any advice for them
1: yeah, there's quite a few. So swimming, as I say, is one of the toughest sports. But I think if you enjoy it, that's the main thing. Um, you know, even at the minute without being in the water, it's been so amazing seeing how many people have been inventive and trying to find ways to still stay part of a team, you know, get involved and keep fit. Um, it's a, It's a sport that stays with you for life. You know, you learn how to swim and you won't ever forget it um so definitely look after yourself mentally you know be kind to yourself because swimmers we can be very tough on ourselves we do a lot of hard work and sometimes we don't get the results that we want to get so we think oh we're not good enough that's not you know you need to be better sometimes we need to be take a step back and just be kind look at the little things not just the numbers at the end doesn't matter how fast you've gone did you achieve your processes? Did you achieve the small goals that you set yourself? Those are the important things, like build it up uh, and the times will come. So definitely younger swimmers coming into it, enjoy it, you know, have fun. The fundamental parts, the three first three letters, the mental part will come later. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, and be kind to yourself, you know, whether you win, whether you don't come first or, you know, make a final or don't make a final, don't beat yourself up. It's only swimming. And you can learn something from it. There will always be a positive part to that swim. So try and find the positives. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hope that uh, makes sense.
0: Yeah, yeah. makes perfect sense to me. Do you, it, so you, you've gone through, gone to all these different places in the world. Do you have like a favorite place? Uh, maybe once you've you finished your, or, or you've decided to retire, hopefully a long time away, but when you've finished your, decided to retire... <laughs> do you have like an idea of where you want to say i'm going to go on vacation there enjoy the the place um instead of focusing on the competition and trying to win another minute? yeah
1: there's actually two places that i would love to go back and visit more uh first one is italy uh just pizza and ice cream amazing <laughs> over there <laughs> um but just the weather there like architecture is just fascinating there's so much history there Um, and yeah just the freshness of the food like is so good Um, so Italy especially and Canada I love Canada I went there in November and I've done a couple of competitions there and for me it feels a little bit like home it feels a little bit like Scotland but obviously the weather's a wee bit nicer (laughs) and now when it's warm it's warm but however their winters are pretty severe as well but I feel it's got all the nice bits of America and it doesn't have all the advertisements being thrown down your face so Uh, The scenery in Canada is just stunning. So the dream would be to hire like an RV or camper van and just tour around and kind of explore Canada as best I can. Um, And yeah, and just find those like little secret spots, whether it's lakes, waterfalls, you know, the mountains. And for me, even in lockdown, when we were able to travel a little bit more, um that's kind of what I did in Scotland and for me I just loved you know looking on our back doorstep and finding great lakes rivers waterfalls and all that um but yeah Canada and Italy are the two countries that I would love to go back on and do a vacation there
0: at some point great you said the the pizza's quite nice do you were you able to try the pizza and the the ice cream when you went to comp- compete there
1: Yes, so we did. So it's normally <laughs> the last day of competition. Obviously, leading in and during competition, no, but on the last day, when you know that you're flying home the next day, yeah, we got to try some and it's just so good. Like, because <laughs> everything is just so freshly made. Like, yeah. you know, the tomatoes are grown there, the olive oil is made there, like, the dough is handmade. Like, there's, there's the freshness of it and it's like the proper thin, crispy bases. Um, and you just don't feel heavy afterwards. Like it's just amazing. And there's so many different flavors and different toppings you can have. Remember getting the menu and there was like four or five different pages (laughs) of just pizza. Um, so yeah, it was pretty spectacular. And as I say, the ice cream is also just very, very nice. Very, it's not too sweet. It doesn't feel really sugary. It again, it just feels so like natural and just fresh, which is just nice.
0: (laughs) Um, so some sports stars have someone who is key in them getting the getting to the sport. Do you have anyone who is like, who, who is your role model or anyone who supported you as you got into swimming?
1: Um, there's probably two individuals, possibly a couple of more. But uh, my dad, you know, he was the first person that introduced me to swimming and he has been my coach ever since <laughs> he got me involved in swimming. And I'd say my family as well, they've been my biggest support uh, throughout the whole thing. Two younger brothers were great training partners. And my mom, I guess she was kind of like my team manager. <laughs> <laughs> she uh, she certainly, you know, kept me sane and kept my dad sane as well when we were going through like any tough times with competitions. And she taught me a lot of my, my independence, you know, washing up, cooking and all that. So I owe a lot to my mom. Um, and just being there as well, just you know, on the tough days or even the good days, you know, she was just the sounding board for me. Um, and then Misty Hyman, a, a girl called Misty, she um, caused one of the biggest upsets at the Olympic Games in 2000, the Sydney Olympics, 200 meters butterfly. and you can watch her swim on YouTube. And it wasn't just so much like her swim. like a lot of people think, oh, it's because she won the gold. But it it wasn't, it was just who she was in an individual. Um, They introduced each of the swimmers lane one to eight. Everybody had their goggles on, serious faces, focused, you know, in the zone and looking at the end of their lane. And Misty was the only one who had the massive grin on her face, like waving to the crowd, loving every second of it. And I instantly thought, you know, that's an Olympic final. And I thought, (laughs) if you've worked so hard to the point where all you've got left to do is to enjoy the moment, I thought that's such a cool place to be yeah. so for me she told me a lot on the enjoyment of doing what you do is really really important and Um, Just the fact that she's just such a kind, genuine person. So for me, she really inspired and aspired me to be the person that I am today. Uh, You know, she takes her sport very seriously. She worked at the little details. She thought outside the box with her coach, you know, they were kind of looking at fish for their underwater work to kind of try and translate it to their underwater work um and for me I feel it's quite similar between myself and my dad and and yeah and I just fell in love with her personality and who she was and as an individual so she was my sort of swimming inspiration but my dad and my family were my huge inspiration for support and for getting me through it all and being on the journey with me
0: yeah um you worked so hard for four years and um, to get to that final moment where it all matters where your your training um really takes a, a seat um a front seat um in how you perform do you have any like any favorite training um things to do when you train or um things to keep your head in the game as you're on the track ready to to run that or not run swim sorry
1: um. <laughs> you should see me run I was watching a penguin trying to run <laughs> um Yeah, music for me. Music's like a really big part for helping me just get into that headspace to try and block out the noise, try and, you know, zone in and ignore the distractions and all the other noisy bits that can kind of go on and um, just gets the adrenaline going. gets my, I don't want to say hype because I feel that's such an overused word when it comes to sport and music. (laughs) Um, It's not so much it gets me hyped up, but it just makes you feel You're invincible, like if you get a really good track or a really good song and it just gets you, you feel so many different emotions with it. So for me, I really use music to help me feel the emotions that I want to feel before a race, which is excited, focused, energized and happy. You know, I want to have music that makes me feel happy as well. So my music taste is very eclectic. Like it's such a wide range. I range from like instrumental only to some rap, to some dance, electronic, pop, like it's anything and everything apart from heavy metal or screamer music. That's probably the only two genres (laughs) that I don't tend to, I haven't quite agreed with me yet. Um, But yeah, definitely. Even if I'm having a day where I feel like I'm struggling mentally, it's like, you know, in the winter it's dark and you're like, oh, I've got to get back up. Turn the radio on before I get to the pool, try and find a good music or put my phone in and put, you know, plug in like my sort of go to playlist. And that'll keep me going. Um, and then you've just got that tune as well. A tune that you like that's going to stay in your head, because if you go tune that you don't like and it's stuck in your head, <laughs> it's a nightmare. Um so yes, I guess it can be a bit of a blessing and a curse when it comes to music. But yeah, music's definitely my go-to if I feel like you know I need help to kind of get me in the zone, or need help to calm me down, um, or help just to kind of make me feel good.
0: Mm. Do you have so so when you're when you're like in the days leading up to uh, uh, a swim, like a big one, whether it's a championship, a Commonwealth? Um, or an Olympic, how do do you get yourself ready for it? Do you have any special preparations? Do you um, do anything in particular? Do you have uh, like a go-to phrase or or like a a superstition that you get into?
1: I was going to say, a lot of athletes will call this their superstitions. (laughs) Um, For me, it's packing my bag. Like it's the night before. So for me, I have this routine of opening up my bag. There's nothing in it. And it's like, right get my racing cap goggles, swimsuit, spare racing cap goggles, swimsuit, towel close to keep me warm food. How many races am I doing? Do I need two gels? Do I need three cereal bars, recovery food, compressions for recovery. And so I, you know, for me, that sort of like tick box process of all the things that I need for the day. And I always overpack my bag always ends up being far too much, but I rather overpack than be like, oh, I wish I had that or, oh, I've forgotten that. So, yeah, I I always try and make sure that I cover all my bases for any scenarios and pack that bag. So for me, just that in itself helps get me in the zone and mindset before a a competition. Um, Normally, a couple of days beforehand, I'll try and look at, again, different bits of food that I need to take with me. Uh, I start making my list. So uh, I I try and like write on my phone in my notes. I start noting down the things I need to take. Um, And then when it comes to the day of packing, I can check off and know that by the end of it, I've not got that mad scramble of, Oh, I've forgotten this. I need to put that in. So it's kind of a methodical thing for me that packing my bag. (laughs)
0: Um, So when we talk about swimming as, as a whole, um, have you i'm sure you've looked at like this roaming greats to people who um who remind you or have or are, are like role models for you in in the competition do you have any role models in the sport um that you 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 rate
1: yeah so misty hyman i guess as a swimmer was one of my role models um And I guess any swimmer, because I do feel, you know, you you know, the hard work and effort that goes into it. So anybody that you compete against, like I hugely admire. Um, And I do hugely admire the distance swimmers as well, because it always tends to be like, they're always the first in last out the mileage that they have to put in is huge. Um, But then I also, I mean, or the sprinters because I would love to sprint. You know, I've only got one little fast twitch fiber that lives in my little pink toe. Um, But, it's, you know, and just the power and the sort of um, how strong they look and just the effortlessness when they go in and swim is just incredible. So, yeah, I, I hugely admire any swimmer that wants to take it to the next level and, you know, take it on as a career. Um, and those that are brave enough to step outside the norm, those that are brave enough to challenge themselves, you know, maybe do a couple of events back to back or do events that maybe they're not strong at, but still try and perform. Um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of great swimmers that have uh, made history. I have to say Misty Hyman is one of them. She calls one of the biggest upsets of the games, a girl called Katinka Hosu, who I've raced against since I was 15, you know, she's gone on to become a phenomenal athlete known as the iron lady. She's very, very tough. Um, you know, you've got, uh, Matt Biondi, you've got Pablo Morales, uh, Michael Phelps, Ryan Lochte, like there's so many names out there that some people might be going Huh? Who's that? <laughs> but if you're a swimmer, you might know who they are. So you know it, it's good fun. You do find these incredible athletes that just have their own story, their own journey to get to where they need to be. Um, and yeah, I hugely admire that.
0: Um, you talked about um, when you when you go two weeks off. When you were in school, you went two weeks off to, to Hungary and, and different places around the world to um, participate in those competitions. How did you cope with exams? I think a lot of young people um, will be quite interested to see how um, you were able to fit in exams and then competitions and then your own personal life um, into that quite testing time.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it wasn't necessarily the exams, it was more the homework. (laughs) Um, Trying to stay (laughs) on top of homework was uh, really, really challenging. And whenever I went away, my dad would always write a letter to the school to ask permission to inform them that I was going away. And then also to add any teachers that would like to give extra homework, please do. And I was like, no, don't do that. But actually it was probably one of the best things for me because it made me stay on top of things and I could always stay in touch with the teachers via email. Um, the, the The only way I could get around it was by creating a timetable. So basically managing like each day scheduling in when I was training, when I would have my breakfast, my school day, lunch times you know, any opportunity I saw to do studying or to, um, you know, catch up on homework, I would then find it in my timetable and do it. So when I would go away, I would always try and make sure that I took away enough textbooks and enough, you know, pay (laughs) notebooks with me to do like any uh, working out or make sure I got through the homework, Um, and then I would take um, because I didn't have a laptop at the time so you know I would try and find ways of being able to either scan or email my homework or sometimes you'd have computers at the hotel that you have to pay like a euro an hour or something like that and then I would have to type everything up and email it to my teacher so communicating with my teachers if I needed help as well was really important so if there were times that I was struggling um when I came back from my time away trying to see if I could meet up with a teacher at lunchtime so it did impact I guess on my social life a little bit because I was either swimming or studying Um, But I was very lucky enough that I had some friends who understood and, you know, were really respectful that they knew I had to get through the work. And what we did was we try and plan in when we could meet up. So if there was something that I couldn't attend because I wasn't here, we'd be like, okay, well, let's try and arrange for when you are here to try and meet up and do something there. So, as I say, I was very lucky enough to have some individuals who are, uh, you know, quite responsive to that and, you know, never made me feel like I was missing out. Um, you know it's still teething problems and I guess for them they were quite heavily into music and art so I guess they had their own hobbies for me swimming at the time was probably seen as a hobby just a very intense one um, <laughs> so I think they they understood in that sense that you know okay I'm not here because I'm competing or I'm training for them it was like oh well we're away you know to perform at a theatre or for practice um, so yeah timetables communicating with the teachers and not being afraid that if you are stuck and not understanding it, asking for help. Um, And pretty much a lot of my lunch times after I had lunch, I would spend in the library. Um, Quite a lot of people used to make fun of me for that, but I wanted to get my homework done because for me, as soon as I finished and I was given the homework, it was fresh in my mind. So I would just get it done there and then and that allowed me to kind of stay on top of it. And as I say, if I felt I was still struggling meeting up with teachers in my lunch break as well uh, to kind of go through other little bits, just helped me uh, mentally get through it and. Um, so yeah, so those are kind of the bits. Uh, and, it, you know, teething problems that didn't always sort of work out. There were some days where there were some bits I did struggle with, but it's being making sure that you always ask for help when you need it. Because uh, I guess the teachers won't know you need it unless you ask for it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so that is a wrap for the podcast. A special thanks to Hannah Miley, 36-time gold or 36-time medalist um, in Commonwealth, um, soon to be the Olympics and other championships around the world. Um, Be sure to follow and subscribe on our platforms, Spotify, Google Play, Apple Music, YouTube and SoundCloud, searching the Digital Den podcast. Thank you for joining us, Hannah.